The crypto market crashed overnight, and apparently that means we are back in a bear market, and people are already tweeting under my tweets asking if I'm waiting for 15, 12, and 10K Bitcoin. But calm down, people. It moved $1,000. But it does beg the question whether we've seen a real turn in the market here, whether this is just a healthy retracement, and what is yet to come. Also, in case you guys missed it yesterday, the chairman of the SEC, one Gary Gensler, was murdered in broad daylight on the floor of Congress. And I'm going to be honest, man, I'm here for it. I loved every second of it. I watched it. I have about seven of the videos here for us to uh, peruse if we so desire. We've got a lot to cover, and I've got my favorite guest, Joshua Frank, here to do it with me. We're going to actually run through uh, the Daily Close newsletter that we do together to break down all the news and data that we're seeing right now and tell you how that's actionable. You guys don't want to miss this. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and gently caress the like button. Gary Gensler got killed yesterday. Just absolutely slaughtered. Listen, I don't believe anything's going to change. But still, man, it was fun to see uh, a bit of accountability, uh, the attacks. And honestly, man, I just needed, I think we needed it. You know, we need to know that we weren't the crazy people who think that uh, in our echo chamber, who think that the world is against us. Uh, it's nice to find out that there's people in Congress who think the world is actually against us. But as I said, we have a lot to cover today. So I'm just going to bring on our amazing guest, Josh Frank. What's up, man? How are you today? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Doing better than recent, given uh, given the experience that we got to have yesterday in Congress. So, you know, it's uh, improved, I think, general general mood in the market. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, we can all just went to sleep with a smile on our faces. I don't, th I mean, the, the headlines here, I'm going to go ahead and bring it up. So, like, this is uh, the, the Daily Close newsletter a bunch of you guys are obviously subscribed to. We're going to talk news. So this is the most trending news, obviously, from last night. It's the first story. The headline is that Republicans rip SEC chief for crypto lawsuits. I don't even think this is like a partisan thing at all. I mean, I guess the few people who did it in this case were Republicans. But like, it's so irrational and crazy at this point what he's pulling off that this should be a nonpartisan issue, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it came from the Hill for what, what uh, that, that, that specific headline. So, you know, tends to be a more political political publication. But I think if you look across the board, I mean, the conversation wasn't necessarily political in nature, though it was led by Republicans. So factually, that's a correct statement. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible to see. I mean, you know, Gensler got complete beating. But the thing that I'd, I'd keep in mind is, you know, all of these congressional hearings are just parades of pushing whatever their own agenda is. And it's never really a dialogue or conversation. Like Gensler never even had a chance. I'm not defending Gensler, by the way, oh, at, no, all, the, at all. No, he had a chance yeah. when Elizabeth Warren gave him the questions in advance in the previous hearing, right? So. Right, right, correct, correct. But like, you know, you think about like the TikTok CEO who went up there and he actually had good answers, but they didn't let him answer any of those or address any of those questions, right? So it's basically you're put out there to be slaughtered and you can't even defend yourself. And it was great. I loved everything. Right, but better him than me. Um, and yeah. and, 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 I, and I had, I'm not sure if you saw the video. It was a representative. I saw it either yesterday or the day before saying exactly what you are, that all the outrage on Capitol Hill is fake. Did you see that video? 
I did like, it, well, it's it a sounds, representative it and he good. says he basically sits down like a selfie video and he says all the outrage you see negativity it plays well in the press he's like the public hearings you see these guys go nuts they're negative and then you go into the private hearing and everyone's like best friends and talking rationally about the issues yeah it's politics that's it's politics pretty crazy um, to have like a junior politician go out and say that though it, it was pretty nuts so that was obviously the first story i don't want to waste your time with watching all the videos i will waste everyone else's time when i <laughs> when you leave but they, I will they're literally great everyone sit here. who who hasn't watched the video should stay till the end of this and and let scott kind of kind of show them but it looks like there's a ton of other regulatory news that kind of hit headlines um uh you know uh, yesterday uh, in different countries you know with the uae accepting uh, crypto license applications, the Israeli central bank looking at a digital shekel, um, which is really interesting to see. I mean, I think, you know, you, you had kind of posed the question, I think when you posted this, this, this uh, video is the bull market over what's going to happen. Right. And I think what we saw yesterday in at least the, 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 the U S is that there is a ton of negative regulation and regulatory uncertainty as it relates to crypto. Gensler couldn't ask the, answer the question, is Ethereum a security or commodity? He, wrote, he could have, he refused to, right? But what we're seeing kind of broadly, and it's interesting to continue, like I continue to monitor this on a daily basis. It's interesting to see all of this positive regulation that's coming towards crypto or at least regulatory clarity outside of the United States. I think uh, Mika in, in Europe is a great example of that. Uh, clearly the UAE, the Hong Kong government is taking a more positive stance to digital assets. And I think all of these things are, 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 are positives for crypto. And keep in mind, obviously, we want to have the U.S. government have positive regulation and embrace the industry because a lot of the institutional adoption can come from the U.S. That's where most of the major institutions are. But in, in, in spite of that, we've continued to see the crypto market grow in part because of positive regulation outside of the U.S. And I'm, I'm curious to get your take there. Yeah, the Israel story here, obviously, UAE. I mean, it's very clear we talk about it here all the time. The U.S. is just getting left behind because of an irrational political hatred from the incumbents because they were embarrassed by Sam bankman fried And that's exactly what the congressmen were saying yesterday in the hearing, which is that, like, are you, like the questions were like, Gensler, like, you know, like, do you agree that the U.S. is getting left behind? Basically, exactly what you're saying. Are we losing some of our best companies to China is China and the CCP party trying like CCP trying to take advantage of the situation. Right. And Gensler just sat there and didn't really say anything. And uh, it got, uh, you got to show that clip. That was a great one. Yeah. I'm increasingly convinced. I I really am increasingly convinced this time. I mean, everyone I speak to sort of agrees that this is literally Sam's fault. I hate to go there because I thought, but like, if you really look a year ago, at the conversations we were having, listen, consensus is next week, right? I mean, I guess it was in July last year, so it's only been you know nine or ten months. But the conversations were around favorable proposal of the Lummis and Gillibrand bill and the reason, very reasonable White House executive order asking to present clarity with positive language. This all shifted when the people who met with Sam were embarrassed, and now they just can't say anything positive because it's too politically risky. That's really what I believe at this point. I think we would have gotten some favorable regulation or at least like a favorable tone and, and more reasonable things. And now it's just a shit show. Yeah. I mean, look, and we have some from some people within the SEC and some people within Congress. Right. But on, on, on the the majority is 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 not pro crypto at this point in time, which is frustrating. Uh, but the great thing is for all of the listeners in the United States, you will have the opportunity to exercise your democratic will to go vote and 
vote against all of these anti-crypto legislatures, uh, legislators, which is great. Obviously, you can't vote against Gensler, but Gensler is appointed. So, yeah, uh, you, 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 I don't think that uh, if if there's a regime change that he's going to last long. But and you also, I mean, even here, Britain could see crypto-specific regulation in the next twelve months, right? Coinbase. Brian Armstrong from Coinbase posted a day or two ago that he was over there meeting with them and that uh, he could potentially move the company offshore from the United States. I mean, Britain should be aligned with the United States. That's why I just believe that this is an SBF thing at this point. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. I mean, but look, it's a $1.3 trillion asset class that the U.S. Oh God, is. Not, I don't mean to laugh, but I just got served an ad on camera for Jim Cramer's 2023 Investing Outlook. Should we subscribe? We should. We should subscribe and, you know, we can uh, do the reverse Jim Cramer ETF live on air. Uh, but And then the other story that uh, is not here, I think, because it broke this morning, um, obviously, was the story that there's settlement between the BIS and Bank of England on a, on a blockchain, effectively for a, like, international central bank digital currency. Well, I think, and that's the thing that we've been monitoring. I, I mean, I would be surprised if that doesn't make trending news on the newsletter today. Uh, but, the, you know, that's the thing we've been watching for a while is this real enterprise adoption, enterprise use case. I mean, you know, we saw last week Avalanche um, an- announcing their partnership with, um, I believe it was T. Rowe Price, uh, Wellington, uh, and a few other, other large asset managers and institutional market participants um, to to, you know, do... Uh, you know, some 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 finance on chain, right? And to, to actually do some securitization of assets on chain in a, in a testing environment. And that's something that we're continuing to see, which is, you know, blockchain adoption by institutions. And in this case, banks. And we're kind of seeing that here with the, you know, is Israel looking into a CBDC with the digital check now? So that's despite the, the, the uncertainty in the market, you know, we're seeing, you know, some adoption here. But I think what's interesting is this macro future section, because again, yeah. yesterday we saw Bitcoin go up. And the Nasdaq, S and P, and gold go down, and so obviously Bitcoin on a daily basis is not always going to be correlated to things. But actually, I have up on my screen here, which is interesting to to take a look at. Um, I'm looking at the correlation of Bitcoin to gold. This is 30, 60, 90 day, one year. It's just this column on the right. Um, so you know the, the correlation over the last 30 days is 0.31, and it's significantly less going back over the last year. So Bitcoin is certainly not behaving exactly in line with risk off asset like gold. If I go into the S and P 500 here. The correlation of the S&P 500 is actually significantly higher over the last year. That started to break down. And if we look, it's actually NASDAQ. The correlation with NASDAQ has kind of consistently been the highest. So crypto is performing a bit more like a tech stock. Uh, and it's interesting to monitor this. I mean, I wonder. 0.3 is not even that high, though. 0.5 is no, pretty it's high. Not, it's 0.3 not. is still relatively correlated. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It, none of these correlations are that high. And I think that's important to note, which is that Bitcoin isn't. There's all these headlines about what's going to happen with the Fed, and that's certainly moving the market, you know, when these Fed meetings happens and when there are changes in, in expectations for rate hikes. But I think outside of that, there's a lot of activity that's going on in crypto outside of the United States, right? And as we move away from the United States, that also means we're moving away from less institutions, right? There are obviously European institutions, there are Asian institutions, but what, when, when, when more institutional adoption is here, when we see you know, positive US regulation and regulatory clarity, we're going to see Bitcoin at least starting to take shape and, and become more correlated to something in the market. We're not there right now, though, which is kind of the important thing. And, and so that, that's the thing I'm continuing to monitor is on a daily basis, are we seeing you know, Bitcoin be more correlated to 
to to basically tech stocks to the broader market or to risk off assets. Uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. And also just every single one of those that you showed, when you look at the 30, it's just becoming less correlated over time, right? Over yeah, the with year. the exception of so, gold actually became right. slightly more correlated, but Which gold makes is a less hell of correlated. a lot of sense in a banking collapse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, 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 yeah, but it's more correlated than the, the, with the NASDAQ than gold right now. So keep that in mind. Right. So I don't think Bitcoin is a risk on or risk off asset at this point. I think it's kind of, well, it's clearly a risk on asset in 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 in, in that it's not behaving like risk off assets, but it's not. It's kind of hard to see, you know, like 30 day correlation is, 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 is very short memory span. Um, it's like, what have you done it for is. me immediately lately? Right. So you kind of have to look at longer term correlations where Bitcoin is kind of behaving on its own right now. I'm literally just looking how you found this metric. There's so much stuff in the tie that I've never seen. And so it's under Bitcoin risk. Got it. So I can set my own terminal. <laughs> These are the things that, uh, you, you know, every time I talk to you, I find new stuff. But I, I think the story here, though, is that, listen, this came out at uh, 8 o'clock last night, right? Bitcoin was $30,400. It's a snapshot of the previous 24 hours. It's not telling yeah. you what's going to happen necessarily in the future. It gives you some ideas. So what happened, right? I mean, the, the title here is crypto crash, bear market, or correction. Now we're down, you know, $1,000 lower. All coins obviously bleeding. What yeah, I look, the market moves in mysterious ways sometimes. And it's hard to know what, what's happening and what's going on. Um, for the longest time, crypto has been really moving in uh, on, on, on Asian hours. I can pull that up really quick, actually. Um, give me a second here. So we can look, this came out about eight hours ago. But if we look at over the last couple of weeks, uh, the blue line is Asian hour tradings. The gray line is US hour trading. The yellow line is European hour trading. So we have seen broader outperformance uh, for Bitcoin, ETH, uh, on European uh, or on Asian hours, uh, rather. But what's actually interesting is we're starting to see uh, a lot of the alt movement has happened on U.S. hours, at least recently, in in decks in the deck space, in the gaming metaverse space, which is kind of interesting to monitor. Again, it's not super significant, but uh, I mean, in terms of you know what we kind of saw in the newsletter, something that I kind of immediately stood out to me was two things. The first is this outsized. Uh, this outsized uh, trading volume on uh, or, or on on uh, on um, STE. So we saw a lot of conversation around that. And, th and that, that makes sense. I mean, to kind of go into, um, you and know, then I the saw at least it was listed. I saw it was listed on BitDebt. That just hit my, my feed. I think today that it was listed there, but I don't know if it was also listed somewhere else. I don't know if it was listed somewhere else, but I think a lot of the conversation is, is occurring around, you know, ETH staking now. Right. So, you know, we had the Shanghai upgrade a few days ago and something that's really interesting to see so we're looking at red is net withdrawals from Shanghai, uh, green is deposits, and the blue line is net. So, so what we've actually seen over the last couple of days is a growth in the amount of ETH that's being staked. So everyone was freaking out that you know the Shanghai upgrade was going to kill Ethereum. <laughs> everyone was going to pull their money out, and here we are. You know, you know, we started on the twelfth, starting on the seventeenth, five days later, which is actually when. Full deposits were enabled, full withdrawals were enabled, not partial withdrawals. We've actually seen an increase in deposits. And there's a lot of conversation because if we look at uh, if we look at here, right, uh, if you look at uh, Lido, it's a huge, oh, I accidentally dis unselected it, but it's a huge percentage of the staked ETH. And the question is, all right, what is going to happen to that? So that 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 the ETH that's staked with Lido is not unstakeable yet there it's it's not going to be until about may 15th there's a lot of conversation kind of around what's going to happen there 
that's about a third of the total ETH that's staked. You know, how is that going to kind of impact the market? I'm literally over here, like adding, taking notes for myself for my dashboard. Let <laughs> me talk about this because I honestly there's a, there's don't. There's an ETH staking uh, dashboard. You can just add the whole dashboard. Yeah, I know. Whatever, man. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So, so that I mean, that's an incredibly bullish narrative. One that we both predicted, right? Uh, I, I thought it was complete nonsense that uh, everybody who had staked their coins without knowing they'd ever be able to unstake them was going to magically withdraw and sell at a loss on the same day, which yeah, you can't I mean, even do. Keeping in mind, if you were staking ETH before you were able to withdraw it, you're not going to, like, you're a long-term bull on Ethereum, right? Yeah. And so now you can deposit ETH and there's a path to you being able to withdraw it, which is really interesting. So so, um, so with the, like, you see, the, obviously, the tweet volume, and that's something that I show, like, when I'm, that I look at really often, trade volume and tweet volume uh, increase. So the, the trade volume, excuse me, like, when you see SDE like that, how, what, what's actionable? Is that actually, just kind of putting it on your radar? Yeah, sorry, tweet volume. Is that putting it on your radar to say, hey, I should be watching this? Or is that like, holy Yeah, crap, the way I that I there. interpret this, so you can see I'm taking what's in the newsletter and then I'm doing a little bit more digging, right? And I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm using this as a starting point for what's potentially interesting or what's worth looking into. So, you know, one of the things that I noticed, for example, which is kind of similar, is the um, the asset that's being searched for the most over the last uh, 24 hours is Arbitrum. And that was really interesting to me because Arbitrum is only up about 4%. Its volume is only about $1.1 billion, but not so not super interesting. I went into Arbitrum though. And one of the things that I noticed is a huge amount of the volume. This thing I've been talking about for a while. I don't know if I talked about it on your show, but but over a, over 25% a of the volume was coming from the Arbitrum Korean won pair on Upbit. And this is yeah, kind of this- that. The Koreans, man, they go for it. Yeah. This is kind of like, yeah, it's kind of this just like weird thing we're seeing. Like the fact that Arbitrum traded two times as much on Upbit yesterday, like in the US, two times as much as Bitcoin, sorry. Two times as much as Bitcoin. There was double the trading volume on, on, on Arbitrum. So it's, it's kind of an interesting to, th- thing to look out for. And something I'm continuing to look into is when something pops up as being a trending token, I'm going, and you can go into like, this is going to take you to CoinGecko. Like you could even use CoinGecko. It doesn't matter which website you're using, right? You can go into markets and you can see like, wow, that's like 23% of its volume came against a Korean won pair, which I think that's that's really interesting and, and worth kind of uh, taking a look at. And that's thing I'm continuing to look at is, you know, when we see these assets surging, why are they surging? Where are they surging? Is that a pattern? If it's a pattern, should I actually be looking at Upbit on a daily basis and getting a sense of what retail traders in Korea are actually looking at? And that's not necessarily a narrative forever, but it's a narrative now that I'm t- paying attention to. No, but the, these monster moves that we've seen of late on select alts have had that same trend. XRP, when it moved recently, it was like 70% or something. Yeah, I actually, I have some notes on that. So I actually... Um... That was like uh, two, maybe two or three weeks ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so I actually have some notes on this. So this was really interesting. It's when we saw this giant move up uh, right here on, on... I know it's a little bit hard to see everyone, so I apologize. When we saw this giant move up here on uh, on XRP, uh, this is this is up it. This is just Korea, right? It did about I think I have the numbers here, one point eight billion in trading volume in Korea against the Korean won on the same day. Binance, which is the largest exchange, which has ninety percent market share, only did one point seven billion globally in volume. So that move was brought forth by Korea, and it's something that I'm continuing to look into. Is like all right. What is going on is a lot of this is, are the assets being talked about being traded in this market? 
and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a trend that's going to last forever. I want to clarify, but I think that's really interesting because we saw the same thing when Solana ripped the other day. Uh, and we saw the same thing. We're seeing the same thing with a lot of other assets. And actually, if you go into Upbit here, I mean, you can see it's, it's kind of interesting assets. It's XRP, Dogecoin, uh, Stacks was having a lot of volume as well. So it's something that I, I've been at least looking at personally. Wonder why? Uh, it's, uh, it's trying to. I think it's. I think there's more I mean, of we've a always seen massive because. volumes from Korea, and, and they're gambling. But the the question, I guess, is why? Are, like, how do they? How is the trend happening? You know, why are they choosing Arbitrum? What's happening? I, I bet there's just people. They see a big spike, and they all rush in, and you get sort of a self fulfilling prophecy. But if you can see those spikes like this in advance, it should tell us a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. It's, it's it's interesting to to continue to watch for and Dogecoin that continued volume out of that market right speaks to kind of that gambling mentality, but with with really kind of back to your question right with everything that I'm looking at I'm trying to get a sense of why what is going on right using this as a starting point for kind of ideas and idea generation right like like this is maybe today this wasn't the most interesting thing but this looks at what are whales accumulating the most over the last day right now with some euro uh, stable coin, which is kind of interesting. And there's actually a lot of, there, there's a couple stable coins. There's also Gemini USD in there. There's nothing particularly interesting. Uh, wells are accumulating fracks. But what I want to look at is on an ongoing basis, what are the wells or the biggest holders in the market buying, right? What are the insiders doing? Because that's what I want to be taking a look at. And we've seen examples of tokens that have like, you know, the increase in ownership by wells is like 70 or 80% in a day. And again, with everything, it's a starting point. And then I'm going to go look into it and research it and figure out if that's a trade I want to make. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the trending searches, which is right below that now. Dude, talk to I like I'll, all I see on my timeline is this peppy shit. I I, I can't tell you that I I know what Mick Pepe's is, but we can take a look. But I do uh, know that uh, this is Pepe Coin or something, right? And it but is this the, now now I'm literally questioning because there was Pepe. Is this Pepe's? Is that different? This is, I think this is different. This is, this thing only has oh 12 God. million market cap. Oh yeah, there's Pepe. Because all no, I've heard Pepe about is Pepe. Pepe is actually now the number one trending search. Mick Pepe was yesterday. Um, oh, well, we've moved I, on. I, I, yeah. Sorry, Mick Pepe, we've moved on. But I saw that, all I know, I saw someone post that there was a wallet, I think that had a $250 investment in Pepe. And it was worth like 400 grand and the person hadn't sold any. And, and if you like go to the Pepe website, it literally says on the website, this has no intrinsic value. It's complete trash. We made it as a joke and we're just doing it again, man. I, Listen, I'm I happy can't even for go people to the who website. Do that. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. It's probably down now. Um, but here's the Mick no, Pepe is. website. No, this is Mick Pepe's website, yeah, which is literally Mick like Pepe's McDonald's website. for Pepe. Guys, I'm sorry that we're doing this, but we got to talk about what's, what's happening. <laughs> I, I want you to know this is not financial advice and I'm not buying Mick Pepe, Burger Pepe, Wendy's Pepe, whatever the hell other Pepe's are going to come out. But like, dude, we just like crypto GPT, like market cap of 250 million just could have GPT in it. Now we got Pepe meme coins. These are usually actually, I would love to see the data. I'm sure we don't have it, but I'm going to dig in on how many times when we see a really completely ridiculous meme move like this how often that's a local top of the entire market yeah Anecdotally, i think i remember so many times like if doge finally made a huge move that was it for a while yeah well i mean that was that the doge snl episode was really the top of the last bull market right when everyone thought doge is going to run up to a dollar when elon was joining snl didn't and then the whole market kind of crashed 
So here's the comment um, of the day: the frogs took over the dogs. <laughs> God, are we about to suffer through six months of frog meme coins? It's po- it's possible. I mean, I don't know. I still remember remember the food coins back in uh, 2020. Uh, yeah, dude, tacos and tacos and tacos and yams, Kimchi, yams. Yeah, yams, I mean that's how yeah, we yeah. that's how we got sushi swap, dude. dude yeah. Guys, we're just riffing here, but do you have any idea now what's going on with sushi swap? I need to get Jared Gray back on here, the head chef. But they basically got a Wells notice, right? And then, or and he, no, actually beyond a Wells notice, actually sued, and he was personally named and sued, and then they were putting together a fund to refund people. Are you updated on what's happening with sushi? Not to put I, you on the I'm, spot. I'm not updated on. Um, I'm not the update on the sushi swap uh, situation. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a disgruntled holder who bought sushi swap at ten dollars. It's currently at a dollar twelve. That now that you made me look, and uh, I didn't tax right. loss harvest any of it last year. Like eighty nine percent drop. It's fine. Yeah, it's not it's not fine. too bad. Not that, too bad. I, come on, you'll that that could come back in like a day. That could come back in like a day. You could tax yeah. it a day, I think. Uh, do do is there anything else you're dying to talk about, or should we watch some Gary Gensler videos? What do you want to do? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily anything else uh, in particular. I mean, you know, happy to kind of to to chat more about the market. I mean, I think. Yeah, let's do that. That that is the uh, topic here. I think that this is just a little correction, and people are spazzing. That's what I think. And I think that, uh, but uh, what do I know? But uh, I think that uh, we have some very, very, like even just looking at a chart, I'll just bring up a chart, not that you really care, but, uh, and I, I mean, I write a news, you know, we, we do this every day. I mean, 25,000 to, well, on this chart, it's 25, yeah, 25,000 to 12. That's when we made a higher high in the market. Like if you even, any kind of technician who looks at this chart says that's just dying to be retested. And you want to see like key levels that are broken retested as support. So I've been expecting 28.6 and 25.212. I write about it every single day to come. I wrote an entire newsletter myself, separate from this one yesterday, about how I could smell the greed and it was time for a, a retrace. And that was 12 hours before it happened. Yeah, I mean, I think I think anytime you see the top trending co- coins be Mick Pepe's, you know, I think to your point, it's, uh, you know, Hey, I think I, I think I probably said this last time, or I've said this before. It's my favorite thing, right? Which is when when no one's talking about crypto by Bitcoin, when everyone's talking about Bitcoin by shit coins, when every you know when your grandma starts talking about crypto, run. Um, sell every, sell and, everything. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't think we're at that point yet. Um, in terms of like, there's not this mass retail interest. I mean, you know, I think a great proxy for that is Coinbase volume and everything is way down, right? So. We're not at that point yet, but I think the market is desperate for shit coins. Like crypto people love gambling and they're just dying. Like once Bitcoin moves, there's kind of this like, all right, Bitcoin move. Now everything else can kind of rip. And we're kind of at that point in the market. And I don't think we're at like a sustainable Bitcoin move. Like there's not like a fundamental reason why Bitcoin moved. I mean, there's a few different reasons that we can talk about. There's the SVV collapse. There's a fact that people are afraid of banks. Right. And in that narrative, no one's talking about anymore. That was like so one month ago. There's the, you know, hey, we don't want to hold stable coins because we're afraid of stable coin issuers. So that's done. Let's, yeah, it's kind of done. Right. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, I have a chart here actually. Um, uh, Tether's supply is actually like at an all time high. So uh, that narrative is kind of bust now. You can see that here really quickly. Um, I don't know if they can see it, but I can see it. Yeah, here I got uh, it right here. Oh, yeah, so you know, you can second. look at it like stablecoin. So, so the gr- green line is is Tether. So, 
Uh, blue is USDC. This is on Ethereum. So USDC stablecoin has dropped from 40, uh, you know, has dropped, you know, quite considerably uh, in terms of like, you know, dropping from about 48.2 billion to like 30 billion. Uh, BUSD has gotten absolutely tanked because of the NYDFS shutting it down. But USDT is starting to rise again. And so if the concern was really, hey, stablecoins are so scary, let's run. I feel like USDT would be going down and not up in terms of supply. So something that, uh, you know, I think is just kind of worth noting. But I think broadly speaking, I mean, there's a lot of different things going on in the market, right? I mean, I think uh, a lot of the institutions have been like, I spoke to a fund this morning, which was like, yeah, we're a VC fund, but we just decided to become a liquid hedge fund while we everyone. wait for the market to recover. Yeah, Literally everyone. Yeah. Everyone. We've got your money, so we might as well just start trading. <laughs> yeah, and, and take two and 20 on the Bitcoin we're going to hold. So like, there are some reasons that I think the market went up. I think it's a combination of different things. But we talked about last time on the episode and that you had a couple guests that get, get gave some great points, which is it was in a low liquidity environment, right? There's not a ton of volume right now. There's not a ton of liquidity. If you think about it, like, you know, Connor, institutions, yeah, Connor are the ones, yeah. institutions are the ones that are going to trade the most. They can theoretically trade the most volume. But like as a U.S. institution, where are you going to trade? Like Coinbase and what else? Like if you're so most futures, funds, I guess, I mean, that but, they, they're not, yeah. but that's where you could. But sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, we could talk about CME futures. I mean, we can dive into data on it. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't think there is like some massive reason for a bull market to kind of start here. Right. So I, I don't know. I'm skeptical on the sustainability of this rally. I agree. Uh, I think I think now we like I, listen. That, that is not literally a prediction, but I would not be surprised. I should say if now we literally just chopped between like twenty five and thirty two thousand for the next six months. That yeah, would surprise I, me I, zero. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what kind of we we were kind of chopping in a range and then escaped. Um, I mean, you know, to kind of look at this really quick, to, I should just keep sharing my screen to not make you yeah. do this. Um, but I'm, this is the last thing I'm going to share. I, I mean, this is really interesting. So you talked about CME. And so what this chart is looking at here, this is looking at CME Bitcoin. And specifically what this is looking at is leverage fund is a hedge fund. And 100% means they're as long as they've ever been in terms of they're taking long positions. Zero is they're as short as they've ever been. Right now, hedge funds are about 58% long. Um, chop. Chop. Indecision yeah, exactly. and chop. There's, not, yep. there's, nothing, there's nothing crazy. Asset managers are incredibly long, but keep in mind um, that that's the Bitcoin ETF, which is not a short ETF. So that's that's why it's it's always going to be kind of oh, 100% it's just the, now. Yeah, if you're, if you're it's buying just the ETF. Yeah, what's interesting yeah. is on Ethereum, if we go, if we move over to Ethereum really quickly, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the uh, the hedge funds were, were actually significantly longer and kind of leading up to. The, uh, to Shanghai, there was a little bit of skepticism. They went a bit more, sh- a bit more short, but they're still uh, net longer Ethereum than they are Bitcoin. So keep in mind, this is just institutions trading on the CME, but it's thing that I like monitoring in terms of, in terms of you know, relative to how long they've ever been. That's all the metric is showing you. How long are they now? Yeah, and futures volume was much higher than Ethereum over the past. I mean, it was much higher on Ethereum than Bitcoin over the past week. Like there was much more volume, which is a pretty rare thing, right? When you see uh, when you see that, but it, it, it aligns pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a healthy correction. I just think it's a, it's nuts to start calling for ten grand or fifteen or whatever. And I think it's equally nuts to start talking about fifty and sixty and seventy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With you. One more thing. Sorry, you're gonna kill me. I literally have to push one so button. Is, Ready? All right, oh, all my right, finger. All right. So this is one more thing. So this is actually a better chart. 
So this is showing you hedge funds, longs versus short, uh, you know, on, this is the total amount of shorts on the CME that are coming from hedge funds, the total amount of longs, the total amount of shorts on Ethereum that are coming from hedge funds actually exceeded. Uh, but this is the last date is April 11th. This gets published every two weeks. So this is actually the day before Shanghai. So I'm very curious as, as to how this is going to. So hedge funds kind of got this trade wrong, uh, which is interesting to, to note. We heard everyone was saw it. I mean, that was the narrative was that this was going to crash the thing for anyone who like wasn't deep in the weeds, I think, which is just makes my brain hurt. Yeah. And I mean, Bitcoin is, is, you know, hedge funds are, are a much larger percentage of shorts than longs. But, but keep in mind, this is all gets skewed by this asset manager category. This is like the day the ETF was launched. That's why. It's right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just interesting to me that uh, people really thought that everybody was going to just dump their ETH the day that that happened. I, I, it seems like just the dumbest narrative. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, slippery. look, it's it's it's. I mean, I explained last time how it actually works. Uh, if you listen to the last the last time I was on, which was like last week or something, last like how Thursday, it phys- yeah, how it physically works because it's not even possible. It would take about five hundred twenty days because of the way that unvesting on Ethereum works for all of it to even hit the market anyways. And, you know, now people are putting more money in. I mean, we've, we've seen that you know, over the last couple of days, we're seeing net deposits into ETH staking, which is great. And it's incredibly bullish because if you think about it right now, about 15% of Ethereum is staked. But if you compare that to Solana and other assets, it's closer to 65%. That's the average for other proof of stake networks, which means a huge amount of Ethereum supply uh, might leave the market. And so, by the way, I have zero position in Ethereum. I was on a show the other day and people were saying I was pumping Ethereum. I have zero You're such a maxi. Why are you such uh, a maxi? Zero exposure. Zero exposure to Ethereum. Uh, but with that said, the, 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 you know, the, 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 you know, the fact that we're only at about 15% staked, that could go up to 65 or 70% if we start to get to numbers that mimic like Cosmos and Solana and some of these other proof of stake networks, means there's a lot more staking uh. to come. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, there is going to be the staking queue. It's going to take a while to unstake. So I think it is, you know, look, you, you obviously like have to believe stake. that ETH is the value, right? But but all else equal, the fact that more people are staking, you know, that's that's generally, you know, theoretically should be a better side for price. So after our conversation on Thursday, I got like a textbook worth of angry DMs from a friend of mine who's a very, very known and very hardcore Bitcoin maximalist at like... He was so angry about our stream that he had watched the whole thing that that we were, quote unquote, the four of us were pumping and promoting Ethereum, as you said, because we were being bullish on Ethereum. And I started to, like, try to have a rational conversation about it. And I said, you know, listen, like this has nothing, literally nothing to do with Bitcoin. This is a moment. It's a thing that's happening. We can't like. Even if I wanted to, like, which I don't, but we can't like pretend it didn't happen. It's not disappearing because you you can't will it away. And he said to me flat out, any mention or promotion of Ethereum is a direct attack on Bitcoin. I think that's I think that's that's what's wrong with crypto these days. And and that's not a shot at the individual person you were messaging. No, we, I, but he's I think, my friend. He's yeah, my yeah. friend. But I think yeah. I think the fact the fact of the matter is the pie is really small. It is really small. We're talking about a $1.3 trillion. And that was yesterday. We're probably even below $1.3 trillion. That's probably like 1.15 or 1.2. or yeah. We're at 
$1.23 trillion. And that's bullshit because if you think about it, there's things like that GPT token and all these other scammy things that are accounted it's for part of that number. It's million of it, yeah. Right, I mean, right. Like, and, yeah, the, and there's a lot. a lot of this, right? And are these tokens actually as liquid as we think that they are? You couldn't actually sell all of the crypto tokens in the market for $1.23 trillion, right? So very small market. And so it doesn't make sense to be attacking other things in the ecosystem. We should be attacking the scams and the stupid things and all the dumb shit that exists. And I think you and I love talking about it. Yeah, it's my favorite um, you know, conversation. Right, it's, it's the best conversation to have, right? But I think the idea that like, like Bitcoin is 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 tiny. It's like a twentieth the size of gold, if not smaller, right? It is a tiny asset class, right? And Ethereum is even smaller than that, right? So to think that, you know, to think that, you know, none of these conversations are attacking any particular asset, right? You know, obviously we want to have real assets in the market that accrue value, that you know do something in some way beneficial for the world, even if that's making money trading them. But, uh, you know, like, they, 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 you know, but we don't want to promote garbage. Right? And also keep in mind, out of the 1.23 trillion, probably 200 billion of that is stables, right? So it's really a trillion dollar asset class. It's incredibly smart, uh, small, right? And so we have to grow the entire pie, right? If, if the market for altcoins grows, if the market for Ethereum and alt L1s grow, Right. I think the market for Bitcoin will grow as well. And I think to, it's important to keep in mind the narrative for Bitcoin is incredibly different than the narrative for Ethereum. Right. Bitcoin is like this, you know, you know, Bitcoin is 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 hard money. You know, it's money that can't be messed with or whatever all these different sayings are. Right? I've been a Bitcoin holder for seven years. Right. I, I mean, I, I believe in Bitcoin, but that doesn't mean I can't believe in anything else. existing. Yes, it does. Yes, you're not. You're, you are a yeah. heathen. Yeah. And you're not allowed to. Yeah. I mean, so on that end, I know you got to go in like two minutes for everyone else. So I've obviously been doing these Twitter spaces on Tuesday, but I recently, maybe a month ago, I had Jeff Booth on one of the panels, maybe five, six weeks ago. And it was sort of a healthy discussion. And he's obviously believes in Bitcoin only his premise being that all the things we're building elsewhere can be built on Bitcoin as a better base layer. Right. But regardless, that's Jeff Booth. So he reaches out to me afterwards. He sends me an email and he says, listen, man, here's my phone number. Like you have it. Call me. I want to convince you why you're wrong. Right. He's like, I want to tell, I want to convince you as a friend, like why your premise about these other coins is wrong. So what I did is I'm having him next Tuesday on spaces and I'm just going to let him convince me publicly. Like why have that conversation privately? And I have loose, you know, strong opinions, loosely held. Maybe he can convince me. I, I have my doubts but I'm going to have that conversation publicly and let him uh, convince me that uh, I should be Bitcoin only. Right. And I think that that'll be healthy for some people. And of all the people, he's very pragmatic and rational about it. So I think it could be a good conversation, but uh, I do not view uh, Ethereum Shanghai update as an attack on Bitcoin. <laughs> Sorry. No, but if it was up to Gensler yesterday, he'd also be Bitcoin only based off of all of his, uh, his conversation. I know, I got to hop, but I know that's a, that's what you want to get into. So. Oh, I'm literally going to – yeah, I'm going to let you go. All right, guys. All right. So obviously everything we were showing you there was in the daily uh, the daily close. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, Josh and I, we worked really hard to put that together. And uh, we're going to keep you coming back more often to, I think, give you some insight – give us some insight. Yeah, and we, and and we want feedback, right? So we get – you know, there's a free trial with it, right? You don't like it. Don't sign up. We're looking, all we're looking to do is provide you with some interesting insights every single day to help get you started to look at the market, to help you make sense of the market. And it's an ongoing living and breathing thing, right? So super thankful for all the early adopters. Yeah, we've gotten some great feedback. 
And yeah. for anyone who's given us, you know, feedback and commentary, because we're taking that, we're going to add to the product. We're going to make it better. And we realized we did a terrible job at explaining how to use it, which is why we kind of came on here to do that. Um, but we'll but better. yeah, you know, would, would love your feedback. Look, and the goal is to take a lot of the things, you know, I was showing you our institutional platform, but to take a lot of those, you know, core features of the, the institutional platform and simplify it and, and turn it into something that I'm even using every day. And I know Scott is. As well. I use it every day. That's where I start when I go to that into the terminal. So yeah, perfect. Well, thank you, man. I know you have a call literally in like 30 seconds. So thanks, right. Josh. Have a good one. So uh, you guys want to watch some Gensler, Gensler videos? Do you guys want to see uh, what happened when Gensler was asked if uh, Ethereum is a security? Let's watch that. Um, Ether is one of the um, most popular digital assets and powers the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, back in 2018, then SEC Corporation Finance Director Bill Hinman uh, stated that he believed Ether was not a security. Uh, last month, CFTC Chair uh, Benham expressed his view that Ether is a commodity. Uh, the State Attorney General of New York asserted in a court filing last month that Ether is a security. Clearly, an asset cannot be both a commodity and a security. Do you agree? Commodity. Community. Um, I, I, it, actually, all securities are commodity under the Commodity and Exchange Act. It's that we are excluded commodities, but I would agree that a security what a douche. be also an excluded commodity and an included commodity. I'm sorry. But, but, but like, you can be both, but not really, but like maybe, but like sort of maybe. Okay, so maybe. do you recognize, uh, how would you categorize Ether then? Look, I think that the general sweep of what Congress did, not just in the 30s, but uh, as amended. I'm asking years, you, sitting in your chair now to make an assessment under the laws as exist, is Ether a commodity or a security? Without speaking to anyone. I know you've okay, repeatedly said that you're not going to speak to one, except you've spoken to one, Bitcoin. So I'm asking you to speak to a second one, the lar second largest market cap here. And speaking to the tokens, there's 10 to 12,000. If there's a group of entrepreneurs in I'm the asking middle, about one. the public is anticipating a profit based on the... <laughs> I'm asking a specific question, Chair Gensler. I said this in <laughs> private. This should be no shock to you. I'm asking this question. Is, it an, is Ether a commodity? He literally told him that he was going to ask him this question in private. Okay, anyways. Commodity or security? And again, it depends on the facts and the law. And if there's a group of individuals... I'm asking about the, the facts middle. and the law sitting in your seat and the judgment you are making. And so, uh, uh, Mr. Chair, I think you, you would not want me to prejudge because I'm also- But you have prejudged on this. You've taken, you've taken 50 enforcement actions. We're finding out as we go, as you file suit, as people get Wells notices on what is a security. Okay, that's video number one. Uh, oh man. So like, I told you I was gonna ask you this question Gave you the chance to prep and respond. And, uh, but if you look at all the assets in the world, some of them are assets that are not assets. And oh, God. Okay, wait, wait, what else do we got here? Oh, the, I really like this one, guys. I want to give you some context. Gary Gensler, we applauded when he was hired, if you guys remember, when he was appointed. He was appointed. When he was appointed... We applauded him because he was a master of blockchain. He had taught a course on blockchain and Bitcoin. He understood that Bitcoin was not a security. This guy gets it. He's totally in the weeds. He's one of us. 
One experts of have digital totally. wallets or own digital assets? Uh, I don't believe under our ethics rules uh, they do. do. Do you own digital assets or have a digital wallet? I don't own any crypto assets. All of my securities holdings are actually digital because they're held by what a broker-dealer and they're digital there. Have you, have you ever owned uh, Bitcoin or a, an, another digital asset? No. Um, and so, so maybe here, most, I'm guessing most folks on your, you, on your senior staff, I'm guessing you included, have bought or sold stocks, uh, but none of them have owned, uh, or none of them currently own a crypto, crypto assets, but are, but are in the process of making rules and regulations on crypto assets. That'd be a fair assumption. I, I couldn't speak to that. I actually at MIT taught a course called Blockchain and Money. I taught cor multiple courses called Crypto Finance and other courses but, as but well. But you didn't own any crypto. No. You, taught, you taught the course, but you weren't a user in the product. I did not own crypto assets. They're a highly speculative asset. I no, I'm not asking for, for, your, for your view on it. I'm just saying it. You're, you're, you're in the business now of making rules and regulations regarding digital assets, but you have, you've taught a class on it. You've never personally <laughs> owned a digital asset, <laughs> crypto, including, including Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. The only digital assets I have is my bank account and my brokerage accounts, but no crypto. Very good. Thank you. On, on July 13th... What a humongous bitch. What a humongous dick, asshole face. Guys, I have a huge announcement. I'm starting a culinary school, but I've never actually cooked anything. What the fuck, man? Seriously, I'm sorry to say bad things about dearest Gary and to use bad words, but how did MIT even allow this poser to teach a course on blockchain and Bitcoin if he's never even, like, you've never even been like, I'm going to get a Coinbase account, a wallet. I'm not going to send a Bitcoin from one person to another. Send a couple stats, test it out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine finding out that your professor that you paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to take a class from had literally never taken the five fucking minutes to figure out the technology he's teaching about. My God, what should we watch next? I don't even know. I like Warren David. Warren Davidson here just has a mega amazing quote from Hotel California. But, by the way, Warren Davidson is the one who's calling for uh, Gary Gensler to be fired and for basically like the SEC entire structure to be changed. Here we go. To protect investors and abuses of power make it clear that we need to restructure the Securities and Exchange Commission. The failures are many, but let me cite some of the abuses. You have more than two proposals a month. You inappropriately provide inappropriately short comment periods. You have unworkable and unlawful ESG disclosure mandates on the market. You have essentially a Hotel California rule for crypto where you can check in anytime you like, but you can never leave. You have endless <laughs> discovery with no resolution and no clarity for the captives uh, in the market. You have unworkable proposals for overhauling equity market structure, a de facto ban on crypto through proposed custody rule. You have high staff turnover, unhappy people leaving your office, and unhappy companies and capital leaving our country. Uh, to correct a long series of abuses, I'm introducing legislation that removes the chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, and replaces the role with an executive director that reports to the board where all authority would reside. 
former chairs of the SEC will be un ineligible under my oh, pro proposed bill. You can't bill. even apply. And this isn't just my take. It resonates across the political spectrum. The American people want democratic access to capital, retail investor participation. You can't just exclude retail investors from markets and claim it's for their own good. Our markets need to function and flourish, and I yield back. Yeah, he got served. Uh, fully served, right? Listen, there you go. Use a commission. Use a commission. That's it. But like, Tez, your comments, exactly. I'm a surgeon, but yet to perform an operation. Or better yet, I'm going to teach a bunch of surgeons, but I've never even held a scalpel, right? I mean, this is insane. But yeah, Warren Davidson's on par there. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Uh, Frisco, that was Hotel California. Well, that bill passed. No, never. Obviously. Come on, man. Nothing's going to happen because of this hearing. Let's be real. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. I'm going to save the absolute serving uh, later for... I think this is the same as Ethereum was screwed. What's this? Oh. About this 35 seconds. Is there anything you... Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys some context. This is, this is the one where Gary Gensler blames the entire uh, U.S. banking collapse on crypto. About 35 seconds. Is there anything you'd like to share with us to if I yield my last 30 seconds to you? Don't yield him your time. Well, I, if I could chump. just note something about you, you mentioned your hearing about the recent events in the markets. And I would note there were three banks that failed uh, in those handful of days, those last those four or five days. And two of those banks, the first and the third that failed, Silvergate and uh, Signature, were engaged in the crypto business. I mean, some would say they were, you know, crypto banks. And the third, the biggest, Silicon Valley Bank, actually, when it failed, you saw this country's, the world's second leading stable coin, uh, had $3 billion involved there, DPEG. So it's interesting just how this was all Thank had some crypto Thank you. narrative as well. And my time is up. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Fuck you, Gary. Ah, what a disingenuous cuck. I hate this guy. God damn it. Shouldn't have done this. I would have a bad day. Can you imagine the nerve? First of all, USDC depegged on exchanges, but uh, Redemption's never depegged, so it was always worth a dollar, so shut up. But, like, the nerve. You guys seized Signature Bank on a Sunday without it even failing because it was crypto. I love it. You guys collapsed a bunch of crypto banks, and now we're saying crypto collapsed the banks. My God, what an asshole, this guy. Okay, well, listen, man. Here's, here's the just full spray from Emmer. This one's long, but uh, let's get a taste. Here we go. Chair Gensler, I have a lot of questions and a limited amount of Lots. time. So if you could keep your answers to either a yes or a no, that will allow us to get through as many as possible, sir. From your perspective, is it more difficult now for the digital asset industry to access financial products and services in the United States than it was, say, two years ago? Uh, Sir, I, I, I'm not running one of those businesses. If they came into compliance, I think Reclaiming my time. The answer, sir, is yes. Do you think you and the SEC have had a role to play in that? 
Maybe, we maybe. We have a role to protect the American investor and the capital markets. And the Reclaiming my time, sir. You have played an obvious role in that. During your tenure at the SEC, how many rules has the SEC finalized that actually accommodate the existing regulatory framework and are specifically to the digital in asset industry so the crypto market can come into compliance? It's our rule books that are on the books for years, so we have not finalized any new rule specifically with regard to crypto. We've proposed some things in best execution. We've also... Uh, Sir, reclaiming my time, the answer is zero. And how many enforcement actions has the SEC levied against digital asset companies during your tenure, sir? 497. I think Today. it's probably 40 or 50. The answer, sir, is about 55. My understanding is that the biggest crypto failure in history is probably FTX at $9 billion. Were you the chairman of the SEC when FTX collapsed? Yes. And how many times did you meet with FTX prior to their collapse? I think my public record shows two. You met it. What about your FTX private record? Twice. And arguably, private? the second biggest crypto failure in history was Terra Luna. Who was the chairman of the SEC when Terra Luna collapsed, sir? We had brought... Uh, you were, sir, reclaiming my time. You were. There are five members on the commission. Do you believe your speeches and interviews are to serve as the official position of the SEC? There, uh, I can only speak for myself when I'm speaking. Again, sir, in a statement on the SEC website, you are quoted saying, the Kraken staking as a service enforcement action should make clear to the marketplace that staking as a service providers must register. But again, you haven't provided any rules for how that can be done. I must remind you, your public statements are not regulations. It's not responsible to expect the American people to assume your statements are a substitute for rules. Do you agree with this statement regarding the digital asset industry? The SEC needs additional congressional authorities to prevent transactions, products, and platforms from falling between the regulatory cracks. I think that it's a non largely non-compliant field. And Sir, again, I, I asked you to comply with my uh, questions, and I'm asking you if you agree with that quote. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm quoting you from an August 3rd, 2021 <laughs> article where you, uh, and I believe you told uh, Congressman Hill earlier that you need congressional authority to regulate stable coins, and stable coins happen to be a significant percentage of the crypto market. So the question is, when were you telling the truth? Uh, Mr. Hill or to me, uh, you've got to start answering these questions in a more uh, transparent manner, sir. Does it concern you, by the way, that your approach to the digital asset industry is actually driving this industry out of the United States? We're trying to drive it to compliance. And if they're not complying with the laws, then they shouldn't be offering their products. Reclaiming my time. Uh, Madam Chair, I would like to enter into the record this Wall Street Journal article from April 14, 2023, oh, detailing so China's beautiful. ploy to open its banking system to crypto firms in an effort to seize an opportunity created by our hostile regulatory environment, which, uh, Mr. Chair, you're a big with, part of. Without Look, objection. Chair Gensler, FTX was domiciled abroad and so is Binance, yet American consumers still had access to both. You can't really think that pushing this industry abroad is going to protect American consumers when it hasn't several times in the past on your watch. You say the crypto market is rife with non-compliance. However, existing SEC rules make no sense for blockchain-based companies and following them would actually kill these businesses. 
Your regulatory style lacks flexibility and nuance, and as a result, you've been an incompetent cop on the beat, doing nothing Ooh. to protect everyday Americans and pushing American firms Ooh. into the hands of the CCP. Ace. Your intention to work against SEC mission and put American investors in harm's way has been made very apparent, sir. It's been a year and a half since you've appeared before this committee. You need to answer to Congress about the issues that you've had with the SEC staff union, the work environment you've cultivated at the SEC that's led to hemorrhaging of senior staff, the intellectual inconsistency of your regulatory treatment towards Bitcoin spot ETFs, and your politicization of capital formation opportunities time through your expired. treatment of certain specs. And that's just to name a few. Yeah, Benny Hill, man, dog and pony show, absolutely clown. Tom Emmer did not even take a breath. It was like that scene in Ace Ventura. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Ray Finkel, Einhorn. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, man, I wouldn't want Gary's job at this point. All that money, all that power, but you still got to sit there and take that shit in public. I wouldn't survive it. I've had some bad days in the public spotlight. <laughs> I don't know how Gary goes home. Like, do you think his wife is like, you're still hot? You're still hot, baby. Even though you just got trashed publicly, you know. Come to mama. I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, she's not looking at him the same anymore, and she hasn't liked him for 30 years. I don't know, man. This guy's got to go. All seriousness. Like, at least there's a few people who actually see what's going on. They've laid bare everything that we've been saying here for months and years. Revy says it's Mama Hillary. We all know it's Mama Elizabeth. Smithers. Uh, guys got to go. I'm not uh, confident that we'll see any change anytime soon, but at least it was nice to see the guy take a uh, extremely public beating. Right? It reminds me of the, uh, the part of uh, Game of Thrones, walking down the street naked. Shame. 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 It's good. Anyways, guys, I, I got to go, man. I got to go. That was fun. Check out the daily close right down below. Josh and I went through it. Maybe we'll have Josh back. I, I, his insights are really, really tight. So maybe we'll keep doing that. Shame. 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 Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Shame. <laughs>